0: Now we're going to be in Psalms 47. Uh, now, Psalms 47 is another psalm by the sons of Korah. It's actually to the chief musician of the song, uh, to the sons of Korah. Uh, some say, not sure if it's the sons of Korah that wrote this, or it's actually them that actually sung uh, uh, the Psalms, but uh, uh, irregardless, that's who it's uh, addressed to. Um, now, as we look at this, this is kind of goes along with Psalms 46 uh, that we talked about last week on how, you know, showing confidence of, in God that he's a very present help in times of trouble. Uh, and, you know, it, it went on to give, like, worst-case scenarios that if, uh, uh, if the mountain shake, if the earth moves, all of these things, that God is still there. Uh, and it's a great... Uh, I think, a great psalm for confidence in God and trust in God. And uh, I think Psalms 47 kind of continues that, but continues it in a way of, of praising God, of, okay, this is what all that God does. This is still what He does. This is how we praise Him. Uh, I think there's, there's several parts of this psalm. Uh, is a messianic psalm of, of talking about Jesus in different various ways. But also, I think it talks about bringing together all the nations, particularly uh, bringing the gospel to the uh, Gentiles as well as to the Jews. Uh, But when the Jews, I would think when they, at this time, when they were reading these psalms and studying these psalms, I guess they looked uh, not only just to the past, but to the present, for their present situations that they were in, looking in the past of, of what God had done, but... But also, I believe, looking to the future when it comes to Jesus. And I think we could do the same thing. But let's read the first four verses. It says, Oh, clap your hands, all ye peoples. Shout to God with a voice of uh, triumph. For the Lord, uh, for the Lord most high is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. He will subdue the peoples under us and all the nations under our feet. He will choose our inheritance for us, the excellence of Jacob, whom he loves, Selah. Now, as you first read this, the psalmist, uh, it says, clap your hands, all ye people, shout to God with a voice of triumph. Um, There could be a lot of discussion on this, uh, and I think even reading it, sometimes there's a lot of individuals that are hesitant to even think about it. What does it actually mean about clapping your hands uh, when you're praising God or shout to God with a voice of triumph, the ESV says, "Clap your hands, all people! Shout to God with loud songs of joy." Um, so, when you think about praising God, there, there's a couple of things with this this first, uh, I think, first part of this this verse. When you look at clapping hands, it, it could be taken a couple of different ways. Uh, it can be taken as as you know, celebrating of of You know something great is happening you know when you when you see something well uh, last Sunday after services we had the graduates come up after they got through everything that was going on they got their uh, 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 gifts and things what do we do afterwards why yeah congratulating them you're celebrating something happy something good was happening if you look at it in terms of, of what he's discussing here if you look at it, going back to Psalms 46, all the things that God has done, if you look to the future where it talks about all people are bringing the Jews and the Gentiles together, you know, the Jews had, had something to celebrate with God. Look at all that he had done for them and even bringing them out of captivity, which was probably during this time of, of, of celebrating them or bringing them out of captivity. And then as, with the cross, bringing the Jews and Gentiles together, what did the Gentiles have to celebrate? Did they have anything to celebrate? Yeah, the gospel was brought to them. You know, they, they became together as one. And we're going to talk about that a little bit farther. But you could look at it as a, a, an opportunity to, to praise God. You can also look at it, and some in the Hebrew, different parts of the Hebrew language, describes it as more as coming together, almost like a slap together of a handshake. Come together in a, a, an agreement, in a contract. And, and if you're in agreement with God of all the things that God can do, and you're, you're, you're clapping your hands, you're coming into that agreement with God, well, that's something to celebrate because if you're on God's side, notice what he says. Uh, it says, for the Lord most high is awesome. He's a great king over all the earth. He will subdue peoples under us. So if we're in agreement with God, if we're in this contract together, he says, okay, here's the, here's the rules for this contract. You obey these rules of this. We, we're, we're together in this covenant. Then there's something to celebrate, isn't there? There's a, there's a reason to shout. There's a reason to, to have joy. So you could look at, at clapping hands uh, a couple different ways here. I think both ways are good. I, th- I think at that time there's something to celebrate. They're, they're, they're happy. It's this outward expression of, of what they're feeling. But also when it says, Shout to God with the voice of triumph. In, in Psalms 100, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Um, when you think about shout to God with a voice of triumph, you ever hear anybody do that? What would we do if we heard somebody do that? What occasion would somebody possibly have to shout out in gladness to God? What in the world would we want to do something like that? Would we? Well, that's a loaded question, afraid to answer that, aren't we? What's that? I mean, if you, yeah, if you really think about the Jews probably at this time, they, they're brought out of captivity, they've been in captivity all this time, now God is, is bringing them together, or in, in the, uh, 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 the prophetic sense of when the Gentiles are brought to them, all ye peoples do this, They had something to celebrate. There's an opportunity for salvation. God brought them out of bondage. God brought the Gentiles out of the darkness. He does the same thing with us as Vanessa was talking about. He brings us into salvation because we've been in a world of darkness. You wouldn't want to shout that to somebody? You wouldn't feel like shouting that to somebody? Yeah, yeah. Now, we could go to uh, 1 Corinthians. We could talk about decently and order. What, what could you, you couldn't possibly do something like that in worship. You couldn't possibly do something like that there. We, we're talking about, I think we get ourselves in, in a box to where we're afraid to show any kind of emotion when it comes to God. That's the problem. That's the problem. And I'm not saying we, we, we turn uh, uh, charismatic and start knocking over pews. Uh, that, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying when we come in, what it what is it somebody said we don't need to look like we've baptized in pickle juice either you know it can't be like that it's got to be something more than that you know we we say you got to worship god in spirit and in truth we, we stand firm on the the truth part but where's the spirit part at it you know it, it's got to be there we got to want to be here it's like the joke that i'm sure i told about the old man Walking up, talking to a young man that never been in church there before, and he kept shouting at the preacher, well, Amen, preacher, you know, glory to God, preacher. He went up, What are you doing? He said, I found the Spirit of the Lord. He said, Well, you didn't find it here. Hush. You know, I, I think that's how we feel sometimes, isn't it? You know, you didn't find the Spirit of God here. You go somewhere else if you want that. Again, I'm not, I'm not trying to say we need to start just screaming from the rooftops and, and, and jumping into pews during worship, but we ought to be glad, like the psalmist said. Make a joyful shout to the Lord all you land. serve the Lord with gladness. We ought to be glad that we're here. How many people are glad you're here tonight? Why are you here tonight? If, if I was to go around the room and I was to say, Why are you here tonight? Is it because tradition? Is it because somebody made you come? Is it because you're afraid somebody's going to see a car in the driveway when they drive by your house and it's not there? You know, I'm like that when we have our service on Tuesday night. I don't go anywhere on Wednesday night. I won't be seeing Walmart on Wednesday night. People think I ain't Bible study. So on Tuesday, when we have our service on Tuesday night during Thanksgiving week, I stay home Wednesday night. I don't go nowhere else, you know, unless I go to services somewhere else. I don't want nobody to see me out. They think I didn't go to Bible class. So, I mean, really, if we really, if we really ask ourselves on Sundays and Wednesdays and Sunday nights, why am I here? What choice Did I make the choice to come, and why did I make that choice?
1: You
0: you to and this is It is. I mean, I'll be first to admit, most Wednesday nights, I'm like, it's been a long week. You know, Blake and I were just talking about it. It seemed like it's been a long month. It seemed like May's gone on for a year, you know, ever. I mean, we, we don't feel like, a lot of times we may not feel like being here. I get doesn't make you
1: better the Yeah.
0: I think there's a lot of things, absolutely it does. I think there's a lot of things that God wants us to do, commands us to do, that are habits. That if we you know, do something along habit enough, it will become, you know, I heard the phrase one time, our, our duty will become a desire. And it should be a desire that we do it. it, it we should want to be here. We should be glad to be here. There's a lot of places that I'm glad to go to. And I tell you, worshiping God ought to be one of them. But, so how do we express that? The, the psalmist hears, oh, uh, clap your hands, oh, you people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. And he gives reasons why we need to be glad. For the Lord Most High is awesome. He's a great king over all the earth. He will subdue the people under us uh, and the nations under our feet. So we see all of these things where we see how... how God and the Lord are, how they're, over, they're greater than anything. They're over anything. Now think about what God did when, the things that he did for Israel. Uh, I was reading something about this when I was studying this and, and some different points of view on it. And, and one thing that was brought out that I thought was a, was a good point was the things that we see that starting from Egypt that that God did for Israel. Was it just for the children of Israel that he did that? Did did he bring them out of Egypt just for them? Did he did he help them conquer the land of Canaan, drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, all this was it just for them? What else was it for? What's that? to show his power, to bring judgment all these others, to show them, look, how did he bring them out of Egypt? He could have brought them out of Egypt a lot of different ways, but he brought them out of Egypt by bringing judgment, not only just on Egypt, but on every one of their so-called gods. He, he wanted to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am God. And I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do this to my glory. So it shows that he has dominion. He's, he, he, he's, he is a great king over all the earth. There's, there's nothing that he's not over. Now, again, if we're in that agreement with him, we're in that covenant with him, look at what he can do and do for us. And he did that for Israel as long as they were in the covenant with him, right? As long as they were still in those, that good standing. There's times when they wouldn't, and they tried to go out and they got whooped, you know, when he didn't think they could because, again, they were out of that agreement. They were out of that covenant. So... You know, we really got to think, if we apply this to us today, we really got to think, what is my, okay, we know we have the truth. Where is my motivation for that truth? Where's my willingness for that truth? I think Jesus covered that a lot in the Sermon on the Mount. Every time he discussed things that they had twisted about, about doctrine, he always went back to the heart part of it, didn't he? That's why the Bible tells us, so a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. I, I can go through all the motions, but not be glad that I'm doing it. You know, I thought of, I'll tell you where I thought about this most. Um, I'm going to be careful how I talk about this. Let me see if I can do this without getting in trouble doing it. Um, last, last night, I came home yesterday. Wasn't in the best mood, wasn't, didn't feel that great, didn't do all these things. And... I, There were some things that had to be done at home. I didn't want to do them. So I wasn't happy about, I did them, but I wasn't happy about doing them. I might have pouted a little bit and had, you know, talked under my breath a little bit and just, you know, had, uh, uh, I didn't enjoy it, but I did it, you know, because there's things that had to be done. I think sometimes we look, did I say that all right, keep me out of trouble? Mike. Yeah. Yeah, that's that, that. That's a good way. To, I had to do it, or life would be miserable for a while. You know, it's like I heard somebody say the other day: husbands always get a honey-do list. Could you imagine handing your wife a honey-do list? Honey, do this, have this done by the time I get home this evening. Can you imagine that? But that. Uh oh. What? I'm scared to say. But what? I think he's talking about going back. In context, specifically with Israel, as long as they were in the in the covenant relationship with them, uh, anyone that they came up against. Because he goes on and talks more specifically in verse five about the Lord going up with a shout, and I think it refers back to them, the Ark going before them and God leading the way. And every time he did that, they subdued whatever nation they came across. Um, so I think in, in the immediate context, it's talking about all the defeats, or not defeats, but all the victories that they had uh, over all the uh, nations that they went up against. But I think in the more broader sense of what Jesus did, he subdued all. He subdued all by his death and resurrection. So he, over anything, any power, any nation, which was, would be any earthly king that would have, and ultimately Satan, which is the ruler of this world, that he subdues all of that. So I think in the immediate context, it's talking about the nations uh, that Israel went up against, but the more broader sense, all all the earth. Does that makes sense. Well, it, it would be under us. Let's look at in the whole context here. Oh, clap ye hands, all ye people! Shout to God with a voice of triumph! For the Lord Most High is awesome. He is a great King over all the earth. He will subdue the peoples under us. If I'm in that relationship with Christ, that that covenant relationship, if it means that as far as clapping hands, as as, as being together in agreement with them, then those nations, those ones would would be under us because God is our leader. God is our king. They have earthly kings. They have the worldly ones. So they are under us in, in terms of that. Yeah. So
1: Under you understand, you know, yeah. and I think that's hard for us as Christians in our context. We, we want to be peacekeepers, we want to be people of peace, and God is kind of peacefully carrying us through. But when the judgment day comes, whether it be the judgment of Satan now or eternity, there's an aspect of they will be under our feet, mm-hmm. You know, they they will be beneath us. Kind of that, kind right? Of. So I think that context carries yeah. through, like you're saying, from, yeah. from Israel even on to the
0: judgment, right? And him being the ultimate king and the ultimate ruler of this ultimate nation that we are uh, of his people I, I think a good one is John 19 verses 10 through 11 what he was proving to Pilate then Pilate said to him are you not speaking to me do you not know that I that I have power to crucify you and power to release you so so Pilate is telling Jesus you're not even talking to me don't you realize who I am don't you realize the power that I have over you and notice what Jesus says to him you could have no power at all against me unless it has been given you from above. Therefore the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. So he's talking about the only reason you've got power is because the ultimate king which is me and my father has given that to you. You don't have any power over me unless I give it to you. So everything's under him and we're, we're part of that as Titus was saying. The revelation he's going to be subdued. They're, they're going to be our footstools. They're going to be under us. And I think his crucifixion kind of looked like Satan was winning, as it were, that, okay, I'm going to have the Son of God killed here, and he's using all of these uh, 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 angels of darkness to do it, whether it's through Pilate, whether it's through the high priest, whether whoever it is, and they seem like and have this feeling like, oh, look what I'm doing to you. I've got you... Uh, uh, bound up. I, I, we're scourging you. We're doing all this. And you're not even going to speak and defend yourself. I've got the power to release you. Won't you say something to me? Is what Pilate is saying. And he's wanting to. He's, he's wanting to get out of it, I think. And, and wanting to release him. But Jesus said, you don't have any power unless I give it to you. You know, you, you don't have that kind of... And that's reason to celebrate. You know, Just like we talked about last week. If the worst case scenario as, as the psalmist described happened god is still god and we still serve him so it really doesn't matter what happens we, we get so caught up in all the things that happen in this world we're on the winning side no matter what if we're in that covenant relationship with him so whatever happens we're going to subdue we're going to overcome the victory's already been decided again we just decide which side we're going to be on am i going to be on the losing side the one that's going to be subdued the enemies or am i going to be on the winning side
1: Yeah. The because they saw what was happening. Rahab saw what was happening. She said, Well, there's yeah. no way I'm gonna be on Jericho's side, you know. Yeah. I'm gonna go join with them. And so it's, it's, it's yeah. the it same always. You know, oh yeah. It's yeah. always been the division of sides the yeah. question is, where are you gonna
0: align it? And even that to me is a good example of, of trusting in God that He has the power, you know, of knocking down the walls of Jericho. But remember what they had to do? They had to stay in. You know where that house was? In the wall. So when you've got to be in that wall when all of this is crumbling down around you and have, have faith in God that, okay, he's, he, he's going to do what he says he's going to do. I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be on winning side here. But it sure don't sound like it outside. You know, we, we can focus on what's outside a lot, and we forget about who's the true king. You know, like Paul, when, when uh, all of that was going on, and what is that in uh, Acts 12, 12 or 14? when it's about to be shipwrecked, and he said, got to stay on the boat. When they were throwing everything they possibly could off of it, and it seemed like the best thing to do, get off that boat. And he said, no, stay on it. You know, when, when things go so wrong all around us, and it just seemed like the world's winning, God said, if you just be right here, it's going to be okay. You know, in, in the end, it's going to be okay. And I think that's, that's reason uh, uh, to celebrate. That's reason to have joy. That's the reason to say, I want to be here on Wednesday nights. I want to be here on Sunday morning worshiping Him. I want to remember His death, burial, and resurrection. I, I, I long for it. I, I need it in my life. I want it in my life. And I'm happy about it. We, we've got to get to a point where we're happy about it. And it's, it, sometimes it's, it's kind of up and down. Yeah, it, it it is. There's there's things that, you know, to just to have that expression or even say that sometimes is foreign to us. I'm telling you, I think the biggest disservice, other than teaching false doctrine, that the dominational world does, is is steal things from us that we're afraid to do because somebody else does it or says it. When when it's something that we should be doing ourselves, you know. Um, but, and it's a shame that we get to that point. It's, it's a shame that we, we get to this, okay, to be faithful to God means I have to be miserable, I have to be stern, I have to be this, I, I can't smile, I can't be happy, I can't. He, to, he said he can't give us a, abundant life. Why wouldn't we want to be happy about that? We we have hope of eternal life, no matter what happens in this world. So when the world's on fire and burning, I can smile. I've got hope. What's that? We we should be, and and I, I I'm I'm preaching to myself. I, I'm not generally that happy of a person all the time. I'm a I'm a worst case scenario person, and then I, I get happy when somewhere in between worst case scenario and my best thing I think can happen. If it, something happens anywhere in between there, then that makes me happy. I just don't ever know if it's going to or not. Emotionally,
1: it's, you know, it's kind of a scenario where it's, it's and somebody gets baptized, like you mentioned, and they come out of the baptistry, they're standing here in the middle aisle, and they skip to the back door saying, Praise God, I've been saved. And two people over here sitting here talking to each other, like, oh my goodness. And one person over here leaning over to them and says, We'll work that out in a few weeks. I mean, that's, and that's essentially what happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's scary to think we have that fire and joy when we first obey God, and we're in danger of slowly losing. You know, yeah. having it beaten out of
0: us. Kind of, <laughs> I tell you, the first time that I experienced that, in, in some form, is I was standing up with the invitation, and I was standing up you with know, the congregation, and and a uh, guy that was over here on the right that had never had been there before, he's on front pew when the invitation song started doing, he, he went like this. His head down I thought he was right so I thought he wanted me so I went over there and I realized it didn't have nothing to do with me he was he was praying and doing some other thing. just had his hand up so I just walked back to the center just kept on with the invitation of course everybody was looking at him so I go back and I'm I'm shaking hands after the service and probably the first ten fifteen people walk by what are you gonna do about that what are you gonna do about that I said, do about what he raised his hand yeah well, next time I'll be sure to go over there and tackle him to the ground and drag him out, you know, when they do it. Well, am I saying it's okay to do it? I'm saying he didn't know right away. But what bothered me so bad that it tore everybody else up so bad that they couldn't focus on what they were doing because his arm went from here to here. And evidently that, that made everything... Yeah, and it's and like I say, I'm not talking about we need to go charismatic and we need to be i'm not talking about any of that don't don't jump ahead of me and 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 say and think something i'm not but that that our mentality is okay uh you know don't i don't know what i'm trying to say it just i think we don't need to get so excited we get excited about the wrong things when we need to be excited about god i guess that's the best way to put it oh he didn't say a word to me, uh, at all. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, pretty much everybody in congregation, yeah. And, and, and by me, to extend, it made me uncomfortable. It made me uncomfortable that he did it, and I walked over there, and he, he wasn't raising his hand for me to walk over there, so that made me uncomfortable. I was a little embarrassed by it. And then it made me uncomfortable because we stand on the invitation song, and uh, the song leader was here, and I was here, but everybody was looking there and we might as well stop I, I told song leader I said you should just quit singing I said wasn't well, nobody going to come forward now because they wouldn't pay no attention to that you know it's just that we get here I, I think and that's one thing I like about the Psalms especially through the, the Psalms where, where, where the ones that David wrote and, and even the ones we're even studying now it, it shows that and we're even afraid to say this this phrase this, this personal connection with God and, and what David had, he realized, okay, my purpose here, even though I don't make the right decisions and he owned up to it, he said, I'm in a pit, and, and he has to reach down and bring me up out of that pit. But he had enough connection with God to, one, be honest with himself and know he got himself in a pit, but two, enough confidence that God's going to get him out of it, that if he just turns back and gets back in that right covenant, that right relationship with God, that's something to be happy about. Well, there, there's a lot of things that can be legalistic uh you know it but it depends on which side of the ism you're on what what you what you refer to i got called a legalist because i told a preacher one time when he he told a group of young people in a uh a, a, a youth uh rally that during an invitation he said we're about to have an invitation so whatever you need to take care of take care of at your seat and so i asked him on the way out i said what if they had to repent publicly or what if they had to be baptized? How in the world can they do that at their seat? He said, oh, you're one of those legalists. Okay, <laughs> I just want to know how, how you repent publicly or how you get baptized from sitting in your seat. That's all I ask. So it depends on which side of the conservatism or liberalism you're on, whether how, how much of a legalist you are. And I, and I don't like those terms anyway. I, I, I like, you know, we just need to follow the Bible, but we need to be enthusiastic about it. We need to want to do it. God has given us a way to worship.
1: And because he said that let things be done rightly and in order. Because the focus is to be on him. On him. Not upon us. Right. But our joy can still be expressed in the way that we worship him. I mean, you know, if we sit back and we just kind of meander through the, through the service, then we're not expressing any of the Spirit. If I have my whole heart into it and I'm worshiping him rightly the way he says and not bringing attention to myself and putting it upon him, because that's why we gather here to take the Lord's Supper, to put the attention on him. Yeah. And when I walk out that door and I'm expressing my joy and happiness over being his child, then
0: I'm doing the right thing. Yeah, it, it, it's, I think it's even more about thankfulness. Look at what you've done for me. Here's what I'm doing for you. You know, it's... Uh, but anyway, enough, enough about that, I guess, but uh, uh, I can get on a soapbox sometimes, but it just comes down to, and God knows, God knows when I'm singing praises to him, if my heart's in it, he knows when I'm studying, when I'm praying, he knows if I'm in it to be seen by other people, or if I'm in it to be, you know, uh, uh, for him, you know, and, and again, you can go to two different extremes on either way, and both be wrong. I don't have enough enthusiasm or I can have too much where it's all about me and then both of them lose your, your worship in vain. It's will worship when it just becomes about you. Um, but we've got to remember there is a reason to be happy. There is a reason to have joy and, and we should have that when, uh, when we think about God and, and praise him. Um, let's see. Look at, let's look at verse 5. We're going to move on here. Uh, God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of the trumpet. Now here in verse 5, we, we read that God has ascended with a shout. This, I think this is likely reference to uh, uh, God, especially in that immediate context of the ark going before them or, or even uh, what Israel had to follow. Remember, coming out of Egypt of God guiding them. They're, they're, they're rising up. In Numbers uh, 10... 34 through 36. Did I put that on there? Okay. Uh, It says, And the cloud of the Lord was above them by day when they went out from the camp. So it was, whenever the ark was set out, that Moses said, Rise up, O Lord. Let your enemies be uh, scattered, and let those who hate you flee before you. And when it rested, he said, Return, O Lord, to the many thousands of Israel. So it's in a a couple things here. In the immediate context, I think it's talking about how, how God led them each time and how the enemies could see that God went before him. But you also look at how uh, Jesus' ascension, when, when he came, he came in this humble manner, in this, this lowly manner. But as he ascended, that was showing, here's what i done, here's what I conquered. I conquered death, I, I conquered these things because I, I was raised from the dead. Here's what's awaiting you. So there's this great shout. There's this great victory, this... You know, when, when they talked about a trumpet, that's the, the sound of victory, isn't it? You, you blew the trumpet when you were charging. You drew, blew the trumpet when you, you had victory, and that's what they're, uh, they're seeing here. Let's look at verses 6 through 9. It says, Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our king, sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. God reigns over the nation. God sits on his holy throne. Um, The psalmist calls upon the people, what is it, some five times here, to sing to the Lord, sing praises to God. The reason for this call, I think, is because uh, there's a reason to sing, again, to be happy, to shout, to sing, because God is the ultimate king. You know, you had these, especially when, when kings were... Uh, anointed when kings would have their inauguration when you know the the nation would celebrate this king of how happy they are and how how glorious it was because here's what the king's going to do for them god is greater than that you know he's more than what that is you take all of that together god's greater than what that is you know that that's something to sing praises you know Somebody go through a tragedy and they they're, they're singing hymns, they're singing songs of God. Why why are you singing? Because there, there's something better than this. This world is not all that there is. There, there's something greater, and because there's something greater, there's something to sing about. Have you ever you ever started singing, uh, just started singing hymns, uh, and it make you feel better, improve your mood, you know, to to think about. Uh, Again, what God has done, what He continues to do, again it, it goes back to our total dependence upon Him. We we don't have anything without Him. You know, you think about the monarch of a king. Uh, you know, the 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 ruling of a king. Uh, think about Him, which is greater, Bill.
1: Yeah. So he, he, then, the he
0: was yeah. And, uh, I think maybe that's a good for us. Yeah. Well there's you know, you look at the things that we face, it doesn't mean that we're happy when we go through those things. David look look at what he went through when his son was dying. He he was he was mourning. I mean he he, he was just as as about as bad as it could get. But when he died, he picked himself up, cleaned himself off, he ate. Why? Because now he knows then he was doing all he possibly could because he didn't know if he was going to live or die. So he was doing his part as far as prayer and meditation and, 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 and fasting, all these things for his son. But once his son died, now it was in God's care, and he was going to go be with him. So it was a total different mindset then. Um And that's hard, that's something that makes us, makes others under us that we were talking about earlier. That's what makes us, sets us apart from the world, is we realize or should realize we're, we have something better coming. So what do we do here? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you think when, when you go through any, any tragedy, you know, there's that, as Ecclesiastes says there's that mourning process, but not just mourning when a, a, a loved one dies or something bad happens. There's a mourning process when you're going through that. But then there's a time when that season ends and then there's joy, there's laughter, there, there's dancing, he says. Why? Because there's a time to celebrate. What are we celebrating? You know, what, what do we find in this world Worthy of celebration. What do we find worthy of, of doing that? It may not be this world. You know, I, I, the Psalms has helped me to have a better understanding of Romans 8 and 28. You know, I always said that it doesn't say everything works out to good or, or is good, but it's going to work out to good. I still always thought of that verse as an earthly thing. Okay, it may not be good right now, but 15 years down the road, I'll see where it's good. That's not what it's was talking about at all. It, it actually goes even farther than that. The things here may not be good at all, but it will work out good in eternity if to those who love the Lord are called according to His purpose. Because whatever happens doesn't matter. Just like Psalms 46 said, doesn't matter. God God is still there. And we've got to serve Him as, as that. Um, let's see, I, I flipped through pages and pages, and now I don't know where I'm at. Verse 9. You, you know, you think about, well, just thinking about going through the acts of worship. You know, what part do we think we can just kind of muddle through and just sit here and not be a part of? You know, well, it's all right to sit here and not sing. I don't sound good anyway. He didn't tell me how to sound good. It sounds good to him if I'm doing what he says to do. It may not sound good to the person beside me, but I'm not, I'm not singing praises to them. I'm teaching and admonishing them. But I'm not singing praises to them, so it, it's not a matter of who sits in front of me and who sits behind me. You know, I, I I've watched, I've seen Bill turn his hearing aid down when I'm singing behind him. I, I've seen him reach up there. You know, I first thought, well, he's adjusting it for something, but I've realized I'm singing right behind him, so I know why he is adjusting it. Well, may think of <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, I don't know if he were or not, but I assumed he were. But I would, I'd turn it down on me. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not singing to the persons around me. I'm singing to God. Now, so in, in knowing that, I, I should have that right attitude in doing it and sing praises to Him. It sounds good. It's, it's like that, as John says all the time, it's that sweet aroma to God. You know, God, that's what God wants. That, that's what He desires. That's what He said to do. So for me to say, well, I can't really do that. He told me I could, and I should, and I will. So you know it comes back to why you're doing it is it from the heart i can do all of that and leave here and as like i said my worship not be acceptable to god because it doesn't come from the heart uh we've got to make sure our our, our heart is in it uh I, I could remember changing my lesson in india one time because of that and i i mean i i thought i did i hammered it boy i shook it off the corn off the cob with to this congregation because they were taking off their shoes They were doing all this at this one congregation in India, and they were going through all these little things, and I thought, they're putting too much emphasis on this building. You know, and boy, I just hammered that. I'll never forget, it was uh, Tenney that was with me, that was interpreting, and he, he was just looking at me like I was nuts. I said, what's wrong? He said, I don't know what you're doing. And I said, they're putting emphasis on the building. He said, no, they're not. He said, they're leaving all their worldly cares outside, and all they want to do is worship God. Any, any possessions they had, any thoughts that they had, they're just, that's their way of, of, of taking all the world out, and it's all about God right now. I felt about that high. I thought, how in the world could I jump to that kind of conclusion? You know? But that's what it seemed like to me, that they were, you know, they just built a building, we were actually dedicating it, so it hadn't been long built. And I thought they were just putting all this emphasis on the building. had nothing to do with the building, it had to do with worshiping God. You know, it had to do, they, they were glad to be there. They wanted to be there. And no matter what persecution, no matter what they were facing outside of that building, this was about God. It wasn't about nothing else. It was just about God. And, and they were happy uh, uh, to be there. Uh, verse 9 says, The princes of the people have gathered together, the people of uh, God, of Abraham, for the shield of the earth belongs to God. He is greatly exalted. Uh, here it says, the princes of the people have gathered together, the people of God, of Abraham. I, I think here is a, 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 a prophecy, if you will, of, of the Gentiles and Jews coming together, of, of, of being, I think it's what, in Galatians 3, uh, 28 and 29. I don't know if I put that on there, Blake, if you don't care. Um, I actually thought about this last minute. Uh, Galatians 3, 28 and 29 says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither... Slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ, Jesus. And if you are, one, are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Here it is again, this, this great blessing of all nations have that opportunity of coming together, both Jew and Gentile, come together as one to serve this great king. And that, again, it's something to be uh, celebrated and something to, uh, to really be a part of. I appreciate you listening, appreciate you indulging me.